Hello, my name is Annie Mack and I have a terrible memory. Terrifyingly terrible. I can't remember huge amounts of my life and it's freaking me out. So I've decided to use this podcast as a way to get my memory back week by week by week. And who better to help on this memory mission than my family and friends and some fabulous guests. This is Finding Annie. For the final memory of the series, we are heading to my wedding and a little observation from my friend Amy. Check it out. I mean, there was definitely a moment when I suddenly realized that you were, like, very Irish, (laughs) Um, which was at your wedding when, like, you were just, like, there amongst your family. It was all in context. Suddenly, all of the thousands of siblings... (laughs) are all together and there's like crazy traditional Irish line dancing going on and there's like Guinness flying around and it just was like you got more Irish (laughs) your accent really came out and flared up it's just really funny how like the context changes things when you're living away from home Ireland is a very small island. It is the most westerly point of Europe. The only thing that comes after it when you're standing on the west coast is America. I loved growing up there. I grew up as a Protestant, a Church of Ireland person. I had to go to Sunday school every Sunday. And that's quite a rare thing in Ireland. It has always been ruled by religion and the majority of Ireland is Catholic. So being Protestant growing up was was kind of, I guess I was in the minority. And all the schools were dictated by religion. So you either went to a Catholic school or a Protestant school, simple as that. So I went to this school called Wesley, which is like a Methodist school. Anyone growing up in Ireland will know all about the history of Ireland. And the biggest part of the history of Ireland is the famine, which was something that happened in the mid-1800s due to potato blight and potato disease. A million people died in Ireland during the famine. Millions of people emigrated during the famine as well. And that's one of the reasons why Ireland is such a loved country all over the world. It's because so many people left Ireland and settled in other countries around the world. And uh, I think there's a kind of deep love for Ireland. Also, Ireland's got this reputation for being fun and, you know, being a laugh and being liking a drink and also being great storytellers. Ireland is a really musical country and um, I'm really proud of being Irish and I presumed that when I moved to the UK when I was like 20, when I say like the UK, I mean England, when I moved there to a place called Farnborough to do my MA in radio, I just presumed everyone knew about Ireland and I remember going out with... um, these girls to, that I had met to the student union and realising that no one knew anything about where I came from. Like, they didn't know that we had our own language, which is Irish, by the way. We call it Gaelic in Ireland. We had to do Gaelic all the way through school, like all the way up to 17. I was really good at it for a while and then I just forgot it all because there's not really a, a need to speak it. No one speaks it apart from in these tiny pockets of Ireland. But yeah, so we had our own language, which was a really big part of my growing up. And no one over there seemed to know that that, that, that existed as a language, Gaelic. Um, they didn't know the difference between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland. They didn't know that our country was split in two. They didn't know that Dublin was the capital city. 
there was so much ignorance about Ireland from English people. And I remember being really shocked about that and feeling like kind of unmoored in that way. Like, wow, I'm a, I'm a foreigner here. And I guess after that, I really clung to my Irishness more. And I think that happens a lot when you leave your country or your place of birth. Your kind of sense of identity is exaggerated in a way. So my Irishness has always meant way more to me living in England than I think it probably would to me living in Ireland. So the person I want to speak to in the podcast today, her name is Imelda May. And when I think of Irish people, like she's she's just up there, top of the top of the list. She's one of the most loved musicians in Ireland. She's huge. She's a massive, massive singer. She started out singing kind of rockabilly and blues and still sings blues now. She plays the biggest venues in Ireland. She's a huge musical export for Ireland. You may have seen her on like Jules Holland or she plays at festivals. She's currently doing an Australian tour just right now when I talk. Um, she was, here's a good example of how Irish Imelda May was. She was asked personally by Conor McGregor to sing the Irish anthem before his fight with Floyd Mayweather in Vegas. There you go. Find me a more Irish thing to have to do than that. And I thought it would be great to get her take on Ireland and Irishness. And she's really interesting and just lovely to listen to. So welcome to the podcast, Imelda May. Right, so we are talking about being Irish and mm. Irishness, and I think we should start by talking about what we were just texting about a few days ago, which was your visit to the London Irish Centre. Yes, I know. I'd never been. And uh, and being Irish in, in England, in London, is different, obviously, to being Irish at you, home. How long have you been Irish in London? 22 years. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I only came over for a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> How did you end up staying? <laughs> Just life <laughs> happened and I came back and yeah. I fell in love and I remember I saying, okay, well, I'll, I'll stay for a little while. And that was my ex-husband and he said, well, try, I said, I have to go, I'm homesick. And he said, stay six months. I said, okay, I'll stay six months yeah. before you know it. Yeah. It's forever. It's 22 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 22 years later. Oh, I'm the same. I've actually, I actually passed the, you know, when you've been in England longer than you've been in Ireland. So I passed Ooh. that just so I, I was kind of like, How I'm, long are you here? I'm 40 now. I came here when I was 19. So yeah, I'm 21 <gasps> I years. I haven't passed it. I'm it, smack bang in the middle. Yeah. It's a bit scary. That mm. you're like, fuck. Isn't it weird? Um, but you like, you, do you consider yourself a Londoner? Or no, because you don't live in London, do you? I've lived in London until a few years. Yeah. I'm now in the countryside. Yeah. But I feel more a Londoner. Yeah. Yeah. I consider I myself London. a Londoner. No, I'm, no, I consider myself yeah. a dub. Yeah. Oh, that never Always a me. dub. Oh, I'm a dub. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. yeah. But I remember the first time I felt it was around the, the London bombings, I suppose, when I felt... I, I I was involved. I felt personally attacked. You know, I was going to be on the train that morning, mm. on the tube, and if I felt like I was part of the us, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, and uh, and that was the first time I hit home. Yeah, with me, I thought, oh my god, yeah, I feel like I belong. And when you go to Irish pubs around here, like especially around here in Northwest London, which is near Kilburn, which was like the home of Irish people moving to London. You always get like a, a kind of a group of Elfellas at the bar who are like Ireland through and through. Um, 
And it, it's kind of like, I think maybe those people are the people that London Irish tend to help because it's the people who are generations older who who still feel that kind of pull what to Ireland. But haven't been able to afford to go back for some reason. I know. You know? That's sad. That, that, that's sad. Because they were telling me, I was saying, how... Well, I didn't understand. I was saying, how... How is there so much... Not so much now, but... For a while, when I moved over here first, a lot of the homeless that I'd see around, certainly I, I was in Kentish Town and Camden, were old Irish boys. Mm. And I said, why was that? And they said, because they came over to work on the buildings and the roads. But at that time, it was cash in hand. Mm. So he said, the, one of the guys who, who ran the centre, he said, they're, they're not registered. They don't exist. They're not in any system. And then so all of us, they don't want to go home when all of a sudden they're, they're too old to get the work. Mm. They're not getting pensions or retirement funds and they feel too embarrassed to go home, mm. cap in hand. They've never married or because they, they've, they said they've travelled to jobs just all around England. And he said, before you know it, they're sitting in a corner. Nobody knows they're here. And I was like, oh my God, it never dawned on me. Yeah. So he yeah. says, that's why we help, we help them because they're just not on, a, on any system. We're, we're, we're trying to get them somewhere to stay. And I thought... It never dawned on me that's yeah. the loop that they... Yeah. It's yeah. Well, it's not... They, it's like free-falling, you know? Yeah. They they work to a point. But one thing I want to say is, especially in America when I go there, um, I found that people who are second and third generation Irish that live there, or some of the older generations that were there, they're pining for an Ireland that doesn't exist. <laughs> That Ireland is gone. Mm. And when I go home, I love how Ireland, it's moved on. Mm. And we were the first country to, to vote in gay marriage by referendum, mm. by public referendum, mm. not anybody forcing. That's what we wanted. Mm. And recently for the abortion rights and everything, we're a forward-moving country with open arms, welcoming refugees. And mm. if anybody goes... When I was in America, people were going against that. I was saying... You, you're contradicting your own life. Mm. You're here in America as a refugee, as an as an immigrant, <laughs> and you're saying that nobody should go into Ireland. It doesn't make any sense. No, no. So there, a lot of people away are pine. They're looking back to this Ireland that doesn't yeah. exist, and then they're voting in Trump. And I'm like, dear Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that you know that kind of yeah. middle middle of the road mm. boys. You know that that mm. old. Vibe. that doesn't exist no, it's in Ireland having the benefit of like an objective perspective which we do because we don't live there looking back into it you're right it has changed so much it's brilliant and it feels seismic it feels like there's a whole generation now of kids coming through who are just like nah we're not going to live by your like really archaic Catholic I know it, rules. I find it really refreshing no. in Ireland at the oh, moment it's amazing and so it's this huge generation coming through where they're not ruled by religion and Ireland's just been like it, ruled by religion it's just electric you know I've got this amazing quote, actually, that I wanted you to hear from Tommy Tiernan, who says, the English language is all fucking grammar and rules and the Irish soul is a much more fluid thing. The English language is a brick wall between me and you and fuck is my chisel. Yes! (laughs) Isn't that amazing? That is it, exactly. Because we swear. I know. It's fucking... I know. I know. We've got mouths like fucking sewers. (laughs) 
I actually was on Karis Matthews' programme the other night and I said, yeah. I loved this song. The first time I heard it, I think I wet myself. <laughs> and somebody came saying, did you say that? I was like, is that bad? <laughs> but it is mad, isn't it? Because even when you, as soon as you get in a taxi from Dublin Airport, you just, it's just there. It's just like swearing is in the kind of, cadence of the language it's like an, part of it, I, it? it's like um, an exclamation mark yeah swearing but I I love how Irish people talk for anyone English or non-Irish listening to this it, a, a lot of it makes sense because obviously I love languages and I delve into mm. the whys and wheres and, and one of the reasons why um, Irish people I think talk so beautifully it, a lot of it is literal translation so if you go back to how we spoke you know when you'd speak Irish Gaelic yeah you'd yeah. say um, you know, ta ukrasorum, the hunger's on me. Yeah. And it translates, people actually say that, oh Jesus, the hunger's on me yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And it, it and, and people still use that way of talking within the English language mm. and say things in a roundabout way, which I think is really beautiful, mm. you know. So it's it's kind of There's a fierce thirst on me. Yeah. You know? I, it's Irish, it's it's making the English Irish English language Irish. It's Irishing, that's not a verb. But anyway. I think it's um it it's just we the one thing I love about about I've been been Irish um, probably more than anything is the culture. Basically, if you're a, if you're a poet or an artist or a musician in other countries, it's like, oh, that's nice for you. But in Ireland, it's like, yes, that is who we are. It's a part of who we are. Everybody's a writer. Everybody's a poet. You get into any taxi and people are well-educated, self-educated and will discuss Everything with you, um, you can go right through literature and and it's mm. beautiful. You can have just the most wonderful conversations with people because I think art is totally um, wrapped up into our soul yeah. as a culture and yeah. it's part of who we are. Yeah. And it's not just a frivolous extra, which is what I find you can get in other countries, yeah. that it's like everything is academically based and then it's oh that's really nice with your mu- musician you know certainly mm. if you haven't done well in it where in Ireland it's like they get it's that part it's, of who you are yeah, yeah. and they yeah. get that and it's keep yeah. going do it and it's yeah. and this, this it doesn't matter if you're successful or not you'll go down to the tiniest little village yeah. um you know down in Doolan and they'll say oh there's a really good poet that you need to meet and you'll somebody will bring you up and you'll walk up the side of a cliff and there'll be a little cottage on top all the way to hear one poem that somebody wrote. Wow. You know? And yeah. you sit there and you, you listen, you take it in, you crack up a bottle of something nice and yeah. you just, you talk literature and poetry all night. Yeah, yeah. You it's know? amazing. It, there's so a beauty to it. It's the land of saints and scholars. That's the line, isn't it? That mm. Ireland is that. And um, That's the most important part I for me of being from there. I get that. And it, there's an assumption, I think, for me anyway, we grew up in a house there was, in terms of the instruments that were played by me and my brothers and sisters, there must have been over 10, like everything from concertinas to barons to bazookis to banjos to guitars to piano to saxophone. That was my sister rebelling against traditional <laughs> Ireland. But it was like ev- everyone, everyone, everyone had an instrument, you know, and, and several. It's and normal. That was to- there you go, but it's not normal outside Ireland. I know, it's you, everybody plays something, everybody sings. They're like, what, you can play guitar and piano? And I know. I'm like, well, yeah, it's just like, it was just what we did. I know, I know. And you start to sing song in any household, and yeah, and and the one thing that I love is like it's people 
claim songs, you know? If you go to a sing song, it goes around the room. And it's like, especially if you're singing traditional stuff and you start singing, I don't know, Sweet 16. I think yeah. even Finn Bar Fury gets it, you know? And they'll go, oh no, that's my right song. You can't sing that, you know? Yeah. Right, always sings that. And you go, that's oh, really sorry, this is a quote, another quote that I thought was really interesting from Iris Murdoch, who I didn't know is half Irish. She's British Irish. She says, I think being a woman is like being Irish. Everyone says you're important and nice, but you take second place all the time. Ooh. How do you feel about that? In terms of, and I mean about the Irishness thing there, because we talk about being women till fucking the cows come home. But in the in the terms of Ireland, like obviously we've, we've been brought up as well as to have music in our bones to, to learn about history because it's such a big part of our country and England is such a big part of our country because of the history of our country. Mm. Um, do you feel like um, Irish people sometimes aren't... They're, they're looked at as being kind of saints and scholars and, and poets and fun and great jokers and the life and soul, but are they taken seriously enough, do you think? No. OK. No. I think it's definitely a put into fun the fun part because we do know how to have fun mm. and often I think it's to cover up things too you know if hardships that you have we're good at laughing through them mm. and kind of making ourselves believe we're getting on with it um, but I don't think no no it's it, you, you do get that almost it feels like a pal the head yeah you know she's lovely she's nice she's Irish He's not, you know, and th- you definitely, definitely feel it. Yeah. You know, I mean, years ago, Ireland was um, a matriarchal society. A lot. We had queens and pirates and mm. um, women were always known as being strong. Even now people say, oh, fiery Irish girl, you know. We've always been known as strong. Mm. Um, but I think, unfortunately for Ireland, religion took hold of that and probably took advantage of it, you know, in a way. Mm. And then you had to be the woman at home, mm. looked after the family. And having 18 kids. Having 18 that's kids. The, I mean, that's the problem. And not so actually been able, having any time... To actually be to, a woman. To be a woman or be a, a human with and use any of your talents or mm. intelligence to apply yourself in any way because mm. you were so busy having kids. Yeah, they were, they were prisoners, their wombs, prisoners to their own wombs, well, to Catholicism, yeah. basically. Yeah, so I would love to see what Ireland would have become if that hadn't happened, if religion hadn't taken hold so much, mm. because we were pagans and women were adored and we were, we, we very much um, were okay with and celebrated women in many ways. If you look through old art and even ancient, um, you go to Newgrange, it was all about fertility and the woman mm. and... And like I said, we were queens. I think, like, even looking at the abortion referendum now and seeing, you know, this, like, just seeing these Irish female faces going out and, like, feeling like their voice has this power. It's just it's so like, powerful, isn't yeah. it, to see it, to watch it's a it. Lovely, it's a lovely time at home. Yeah. It's a really nice time. Mm. And, and like I said, as far as I can see, the men are supporting it um, so far. Certainly, like I said, people around me, mm. men around me are all, mm. are all good with it. 
you think you'll ever go back? I don't know. I often, I think about that. Mm. Um, Me too. I don't know. It's uh, My daughter lives here, obviously. Her life is here. I think about it often. I'd love to go back. Um, does your daughter have an English accent? She does, yeah. And she knows to get around me, she just calls me Mammy instead of Mummy. Just to make, oh my God, mind up. She figures that out. She goes, Mammy. I'm having a bath. I'm like, it's a bath. It's not a bath. She corrects how I speak. And I have to say, explain to her that I have a different accent. She's okay. I don't know if I'd go home because my work is here. My life is here. I have a ton of friends here. Mm. A lot of friends that I've had, you know, in Dublin have moved away or... Mm. So I think for my my life is definitely here just with time being here. And weirdly, I've just realised the other day that a huge amount of my friends are Irish. And I was saying at the beginning of this that I didn't seek out other Irish people. And, uh, or you know, and mm. uh, consciously I didn't look for that community. But I have a massive amount of Irish friends. Here. Just here. In the UK. I have more yeah. Irish friends here, I think, than at home. Just, yeah. Just... Just the way it's happened, yeah. you know, you'd meet people at, you know, certain plays and, yeah. you know, gigs and yeah. and maybe I suppose you connect. I like living here, a lot of lovely English friends, but we definitely have a, a freedom to our brains that I love, you know. God, I do want to say something before we go, though, because mm-hmm. it's coming up to St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about being Irish and I have to say, I, I was thinking of this on the way here. And I know you haven't asked me this question. But St. Patrick's Day upsets me. Why? I find it offensive. Mm. <laughs> I love St. Patrick's Day. I love the fun that's in it. But I remember the first time I felt like crying was I was doing a gig in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And they had this massive marquee set up. It was a festival, an Irish festival. And I was playing with my band. And everybody turned up. And this is, I've played a lot of gigs all over the world on St. Patrick's Day. And a lot of people turned up in leprechaun hats and were saying, be gara, be gosh, on top of the morning and getting absolutely hammered, totally wasted. And I stood there and I just, my, I just felt hurt thinking, is this, is, is this it? Is this, is this what we're celebrating? Is this what everybody... Is, is this, this how people Irishness? see us? Yeah. yeah. Is it... I know it's a chance for a piss up and have some fun. I'm okay mm. with, with having fun, but not at the expense of people. And I just remember thinking, well, when I go home to Ireland, we'll go to the parade and you get loads of tourists. And I don't mind people wearing silly hats. Myself, including my dad, loves it. But at, but at some point within the day, we'll go to a trad session. We'll go and have some nice food. We'll have mm. a stew. There'll be a poetry reading on the street. Mm. You'll see some dancing and they'll organise some kind of kale and teach people how to do it from mm. five till six. And then from yeah. nine till ten, you come back and you, you dance all night. Yeah. There's loads of fun with it. But there's also culture involved mm. and celebrating our culture. When I go abroad, I don't find that has translated so well. And then I think if you were to do that with any other country or race, would it be acceptable? Yeah. If you were to do that, there's, there's a part of it that I love. I love that everybody celebrates it. But part I find sad that's, yeah. that it's celebrated just for getting sm- you know, out of your face. Yeah. 
and people thinking that's Irishness. Yeah. Let's just get really drunk and dance around some silly dancing yeah. and wear a leprechaun hat and shout top of the morning. Yeah. And that just kills me. So I love to celebrate it, but I want to celebrate the culture of it. And yes, have a wild time too, but not at the expense of the whole culture. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. I used to get slagged off so much for being Irish that I made a point of having like a like a box on my desk that I called the racist box, which is really? hilarious. And it was jokey because it was like, oh, you're being racist against me because I'm Irish. And people would come in and be like, ah, oh, top of the morning to you. Have you laid any, uh, laid any cement in your driveway? And I'd be like, 50 be in the racist box. It would be like that. So it was kind of like I was making a joke of it, but I was also making a point of it. Because it's like, come on. You didn't like it. No, and I remember, I remember one person coming in one day and literally doing like a Michael Flatley style river dance right by my thing, going like, diddly I like, and then just getting a fire out of his pocket and putting it in the racist box. And the whole room pissing themselves laughing. You just wouldn't do that now. You just wouldn't, you wouldn't be like, wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to get away with it. Even the idea of a racist box, people would be like, <gasps> but it, that's what I did to kind of go, no, you are being racist. This is racism. Just because I'm fucking Irish, you can't laugh at me all day and take the piss out of my... Yeah, I mean, we, we love having a laugh. Yeah. And we're good at having a laugh, but, but, yeah. but like, laugh with me, not yeah, at me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, that's it. It's that's more it. that. But it's weird that you've had that. I know. I mean, I had that the other day, somebody, somebody really drunk coming up to me and a friend of mine who's from Dundalk and saying, oh, my God, you're Irish, you love to drink. And all that. He was hammered and we were yeah. sober. <laughs> so yourself, the irony it? wasn't yeah. lost on me. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think, OK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imelda May, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I hope I didn't no, ramble. Don't even. This has been amazing. I feel thank like you. we could do it for about eight hours, but um, it's been so lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Imelda May, what a woman. Loved speaking to her about all things Ireland. As you can tell, we're both fiercely proud of it. And um, probably the fact that we live in England really accentuates that pride. Thank you so much for listening to the first series of Finding Annie. It's been quite a trip. (laughs) I'm... I have definitely um, managed to relive parts of my life that were totally gone. And, and what's interesting is that some, some memories that my, my friends have provided, like the one from Susan where I kissed a guy that she fancied at a party back when we were teenagers, like that's horrified me. And, and, and it, it's horrified me because A, I, I did that to her and I'm so grateful that I got forgiven. But also it's horrified me because I still don't remember it hasn't triggered anything in my brain so obviously that memory has just gone it's got lost in the ether never to be found again even when recalled by someone I know so how much else of my life is gone I'm going to keep searching for those forgotten parts of my life and keep talking about them with some wonderful people in series two. Dolly Alderton, the wonderful writer, is going to come on, as is Sharon Horgan, someone I really admire, wonderful writer and actress. Um, We're going to talk about more things from my life gone by, Uh, things like puberty, things like being an immigrant in England today, like being a foreigner in England and what that's like and all the kind of weird and funny stuff around that. Also, we're going to talk about just like the people I have met along the way uh, and the weird world of fame. So that's just some things we're going to talk about in series two. I hope you've enjoyed it. 
Look out for it. Finding Annie Series 2 dropping in all your favourite podcast destinations in autumn. Bye, guys. I'm off. See you later.